Streaming from the streets of Johannesburg, South Africa. Buckle up for news and views in the regular tech podcast, Bit by Bit. Listen to Claire Mattis and Stuart Perry talk everything gadgets and tech. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Bit by Bit. This is episode eight. Thank you very much for joining us. Claire, what have we got for today's episode? This week, we take our podcast deep underground to the mining sector. So the mining value chain is the historic bedrock of South Africa's economy. And according to McKinsey, contributes more than 300 billion rand, 300 billion rand to GDP. It directly, the the industry directly employs more than 450,000 people and is the economic anchor of many communities around the country. And we've managed to pin down um, Jamie von Skur, who is the CEO or the head of mining tech company Dwyker, to chat about the tech affecting, influencing, aiding, um, everything in this very important industry. And right off the bat, we just want to talk about you. Who are you? How did you fit into, how do you fit into this industry? You know, um, mining tech is a, I don't know if it's a weird one or a great one. I suppose it's a great one, but I don't think it's spoken about enough. So, Jamie, if you can just tell us about yourself and how you fit into the picture. Certainly. And I think one of the things you say about this this mining technology is that we sometimes don't know if we fit in because we are the ones putting on circus show events and doing things very differently to most. So, I uh, certainly feel a bit different, but um, for myself and uh, CEO and founder of Dwyker Mining Services, um, certainly on a personal level, very passionate African. So a big part of our theme is how do we make or leave a lasting legacy of, uh, of positivity with technology in Africa, whether it's mining or non-mining. Um, father, uh, love technology. Uh, and one of my big themes where we've kind of grown the business was, is empowering people in our business to achieve the unimaginable. Um, one of the coolest stories in our business is we take people that have, that have never flown an underground drone in, in, in their lives or never flown a drone, and now they're suddenly flying underground drones all over Africa cool. as technology experts. You know, They become subject matter experts and go from zero to hero. And that's what I love. I love the, this platform that is enable, is, enables Africans to be empowered through the world's best technology. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what keeps me up at night and also gets me up early in the morning to to tackle yeah great great so and and what is well who and what is dwyker yeah you mentioned it so what yeah, are, what yeah. and, for our listeners <laughs> yeah and, and for and, us <laughs> yeah and how and where did it did it all start as well so i grew up um in a family business in mining uh, our family business is involved in underground ventilation solutions and in that kind of journey i grew up around an entrepreneurial spirit you know client first mentality and hopping in the car to deliver a pump to a mine in Carltonville on a Saturday morning. So, you know, like I think this, this, the spirit of family and entrepreneurship kind of led itself quite nicely into the Dwyker fold. Um, but really where it started was I, I was just involved in the FIFA World Cup program after I'd studied. So the eventing and the sponsorship and the brand activation side was very fresh in my head and kind of a very powerful tool. And I think where it ended up was that we were able to blend um, a lot of those learnings uh, around experiential um, opportunities and at the same time a, an industry that 
was really stayed in that space and mining and specifically mining technology wasn't something that was being addressed. And I think a lot of it is very difficult to get your head around and your hands around and um, being able to be different and to be able to excite our clients and not only with the opportunities from a solutions perspective, but also what the applications are involved was a, a novel place. And that's where kind of started in a, on a, on a, with a software program that we distributed. That led to an IoT plan where we started connecting consensus to the software. Then our clients realized that we were being able to connect, like we'll successfully connect very challenging environments. And they asked ourselves, can we connect these devices? And then we started running the connectivity suite that we now offer. So, you know, fiber splicing, point to point, private LTE. You know, we started learning and the team grew. And that grew into visualization with scanning and mapping and drones and drones became robots and robots um, are going to help us augment human efforts where we didn't think we could put humans. So, I thought you were going to say robots are taking over the world. And I thought, Shh, please don't say that. Yeah, we've had too much of that lately. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, no. I know that that's, uh, that's a fear. And it's, it's the reality around it is that a big part of this business is allaying those fears and being responsible around how do we, we navigate um, safer mining operations um, with with robots, with drones, and, and realizing that there's this, the, you know, to be globally competitive, we're going to have to start having tough discussions around how we do that. And those tough discussions don't need to be at the loss of jobs. We, we've got so many skilled resources that are going to be empowered by this, for this, and we, we need to reinvent the way we think about this industry to kind of involve that, um, that base of um, engineers every year graduating that don't find jobs. So, yeah, we... Um, up to us but i think yeah coming back to where it all started now it's now it's thriving we have three different offices across africa in south africa botswana tanzania we have you know quick snapshot of the businesses we have you know over 35 mining technologists running around solving listed mining problems and they are literally changing the face of the african mining landscape one technologist at a time so it's really yeah it's a great news story and that was kind of what led to the theme around the tech carnival which is we can, we can do so much good with tech, but are we often doing it always for our clients? I think it was time that we shared uh, with the rest of the community and the stakeholders involved what, what kind of good is possible. Um, and I think yeah, that was where it was really, really powerful. So, so am I right in thinking that Dwiker is a company you, you, you sell direct to the mines? You don't, have, you don't sell through resellers or anything. You sell directly to the mines. So generally, the business model has been that we, re we represent global companies and uh, as a reseller or as a value-added reseller, and uh, we build the go-to-market plans for Africa. So taking global businesses and making it lo local. So that term glocal is quite strong in our narrative. Yeah. How do we localize uh, a technology to make sure that people actually use it and they use it um, to the best of their abilities? So we've developed a very good understanding of how African mining operations work, but obviously speak to about you know, over 120 sites, last count across Africa. And we have very good understanding of how that model works and how do we and where do we add value to make sure that our clients get the best um, bite of the apple? Um, where do they have problems so we can solve it with one of the pieces of technology? So we obviously act as a solutions provider to them as well. Um, yeah, I think that's. Um, where we are now. So now we, you know, we empowering teams across mining and non-mining landscapes uh, with technology. Very cool. Um, but uh, can you tell me a little bit more about the name? I'm trying to figure out the acronym, but there's no like mining tech anything in Dwyka. <laughs> like I just wondered what is what's in your name. 
So Dwika Mining Services. So Dwika, from the mining perspective and then from a geologic geological perspective, is a is the supergroup um, that's based in the Karoo uh, Basin. Ah. So before you know, it's, it's like with a big part of sedimentation, uh, it was like a glacial environment where massive ice sheets entombed the early Karoo Basin. Uh, surrounding the highlands and these floating glaciers kind of roamed the, the Karoo Plains. And that's like the geology side. The okay. real story, oh, the real go. story. Yes, tell us. Was the sedimentary side was digging through the layers of metrics and data that matter to find the, the ore body, that, which you know, for us was data. But the, the real story was that we used to use Dwaika Mining Services as our calling card when we were being a little bit sneaky with uh, trying to find pricing. And um, Dwaika Mining Services... <laughs> is the name we often used to say and uh, people would uh, allow us to have those kinds of discussions with them and it, it kind of stuck and, and as a joke we when, re when we registered the business we thought you know what what better word to or what better name to register under Dwyker Mining Services and it stuck it got sticky yeah. it didn't make all that much sense but um, <laughs> now it's a generic yeah okay and we, we met well myself and Claire met you at the at the tech your tech carnival which we understand from when we were there that it had been going on for a number of years. But but why? why? Well, first of all, why a carnival? Um, and then can you just talk about some of the things that we saw there as well? Because there's a couple of things I want to bring up that I was amazed to see. Um, no problem. And so, so, yeah, Tech Carnival. Why Tech Carnival? How long has it been going on for? What's, what's, what's the story behind it? So, number one, that was our inaugural event. So, Tech Carnival is the brainchild or the love child of we joked about it, the mining in Darba and the Rand Easter show. Oh, lovely. But really, it was our first year. So you were part of, um, I hope, a an ongoing platform that will be celebrated every probably every other year. Uh, we're thinking about just kind of creating some value in between those years. And um, the idea is to, or the idea was, was to create a platform where we could excite our clients, at the same time challenge them, and most importantly, because... Mining is tough, and if you listen to any of those talks, there's a lot of complexity, it's a lot of hard, hard yards, and it's very difficult to access our clients and access the real problems, and we thought, why don't we have some fun as well at the same time? So the, the whole thing about being disruptive was to show that you know, we care about the industry, um, number one, so like a signal to the industry that we, we love what we do, and we wanted them to know exactly what we love doing. And the second one, to your point clear earlier, was that the mining technology world is, is kind of, I think, forgotten in some respects, but not forgotten, but it doesn't have the same narrative and same sexy feel. It's fintech and ag tech. Yeah. So we wanted to create this mintech culture. So a lot of the signaling and narrative is around how do we create a cool space where people are, are wanting to come into this area from a skills perspective, um, that there are places for them to play in sandbox in a mining world where they can have fun and not have to live in a remote desert. Um, so we, we're trying to create this, this network and platform where, of excitement. Mm. And the carnival theme was really because we, we, I suppose, coming from our experiential space, is that we wanted to excite and make people think differently and feel differently when they're experiencing an in-hole gyro that we put into a hole. Or, you know, when we fly, we put a robot up scaffolding. Or we have a candy floss stand next to some, some software partners. It just is to disrupt and to kind of jog and challenge our clients this is a different environment uh, yeah so i think that was um the kind of the thesis behind it okay and yeah so it, it was great to see um i never thought i'd be that close to a boston dynamics 
robot never mind a few I of did. them <laughs> <laughs> and the interesting thing for me was i i you had the, the the spot the the robot dogs walking around the whole time and i posted a video on social media and a few different channels on social media and what was interesting was the comments and and how people see that some people are really excited by it and some people see this creepy dystopian future and, oh. and and when you had it dancing on stage and it got tired and lay down, <laughs> I like I, I have this like it reminds me of an animal, you know, like a puppy. I I have like heart heart sore for it. You know, it's yeah, just yeah. like yeah. I think they're great, and I think you know what you seem to highlight there with with is is actually that not necessarily is that if we got this dystopian future where the robots are going to take over, but actually how they're going to help us. You know, send the fact that you can send these robots into a mine and, and sense gases to say whether it's, whether it's safe for now humans to go and work in there. I think that's the kind of thing that needs to be pushed forward. But it was just strange to see that some people see this really creepy future when when they see these these robot dogs walking around. Yeah, I think as humans we're scared of what we don't understand. Yeah, and um, and I think that's just kind of primal. But I think on the on the robotic side uh, and we're really where our business is positioned is around augmenting human effort. So kind of like my one of the discussions I had with Stefan Kraber from Emerson was that we believe that technology can give humans superpowers. Yeah. So it's not about taking it away. It's about saying, if you are amazing at your job, imagine what you could do with new tools. Yeah. And you know, mining technology is relevant. So like we, we think we do some cool stuff, but actually the mining industry itself is one of the, one of the, the most fantastic places where technology has been developed. If you think about it for a minute, it's the most complex place to develop and to embed technologies. Mm. I mean, we work, we work trying to work in, I think, exciting stuff with Starlink, you know, it's interplanetary satellites. They're on their way to the moon and Mars and people like Offworld as well. They want to put robots on, on, on planets. But, you know, like if we take an underground mine like in Penang, which is almost four kilometers underground, the, the, the Earth's surface, it's 30 plus degrees, it's 80% humid, wow. it's dusty, it's dark. It's considerably dangerous parts of the mine. Like you know, I would argue that that's probably almost interplanetary as well. Um, and when you can develop technology in those environments, the spe- the, the understanding and, and the excitement for us, if it works there, we can make it work anywhere. Yeah, mm. yeah. And and I think we, you know, this technology coming back to my earlier point, it's it's, it's relevant. Is that when people didn't have a pickaxe and suddenly you bought a pickaxe, it was a huge step change for technology and mining. Yeah. yeah. And you know, like I think it's important that we acknowledge that that's really what we're doing with drones and robots now. It's just, it's just the the next tool. It's the you know people have paved the way with all sorts of amazing technology and this, you know, like people saying disruption and fourth industrial revolution. It's just, it's just innovation. Mm. And I think, like the, the 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 maybe the pace at which we're changing and the pace of innovation is is different, but it's mostly because us as humans have this appetite for it. So in another circular economy world. If we weren't, didn't have such a hunger for technology like our phones and PCs and, and all the things we want, we wouldn't have been having to have this discussion around using robotics to help accelerate that mining progress. Yes. Yeah. And that's really where it comes down to is that it's this human plus machine environment that we're trying to craft. And mm. yeah, we're getting resistance from unions because they're nervous about it. Yes, yes. But really, it's the same discussion I have with them around, would you want to send your children into an unsupported face? And they say, absolutely not. So I said, well, that's why we have the robot. Yeah. yeah. We want to make sure that you can go back to your kids safely, that they can have perhaps work in a mine and, get, and earn a living to put their kids through a decent university. Yeah. So you can't have your cake and eat it. Yeah. But what we're trying to say is that there's a, there's a landscape, there's a place for responsible technology 
and and that landscape is is the future. Yeah. And and I think that with the right um, engagements and the right discussions and dialogue, that's a place where everyone actually wins. Yeah. So do you? So just continuing on that thought, I mean, we are always arguing with people, or, or in, just arguing in general, that you know, technology, AI, all that kind of stuff is actually there to support you know an an a mundane, boring, stupid, whatever you want to call it, job. Something that humans are not actually to do it's just we've always done them so you you know you've obviously got to have that discussion with people what i know you're saying oh um i tell them it's you know an add-on or i'm keeping people safe and that kind of thing what what sort of weird things do people come up with have you had any sort of strange encounters where somebody says oh but the sun's not shining you know something weird with regards to deploy the technology yes uh, or yeah or technology or in general. Yeah, or convincing, convincing them of the need. Yeah, convincing someone that you need something like this. So number one, most of our technologies have very established use cases, and we work very hard to make sure that what we propose is going to add value. So number one, if we're not, if the technology is not going to add immediate value, like we don't really want to be involved because it has to add value to the mining cycle. Perfect. Whether that's time saving or cost saving or safety as a, as a priority, like it's very difficult to to justify not wanting a safer mine, and that and that's really the thesis of a lot of these technologies that the the fundamentals are there that they are most certainly making the environment a safer place to work mm. and to operate and like you say for humans to make better decisions. So yeah, like I think we're moving from this like reactive world where we kind of looked at something and then made a plan when something happened to using technology to unlock value for proactive decision making. So, you know, what can we use and send while we're sleeping, while there's a shift change and yeah. we can't be underground. You know, like there's a, there's a part in mining, for example, where, and maybe this is to your point, when the sun's not shining, we're not allowed to have humans underground after the blast. That can be like a two to four hour window period where nothing happens in an underground mine. And this is, this is where the robots come in. And I'm saying to industry unions, and I'm saying, guys, why aren't we using robots in that environment? Yeah, That's the perfect place to use them. We don't need to use them actually more in the day than that. That'll give us enough data to make sure that your people can enter into the working place, feel more assured that they're safe. It'll give you data to redirect the effort so that we can be better, that we can avoid a misfire or misblast, which costs this industry billions of rand a year. And because of that, you're making us more globally competitive. Because of that, you're able to hit your targets. Because of that, everyone gets bonuses. Where is this thing falling short? Because that's a time that we should be embracing technology. And that is that is progress for me. You know, um, we're both sitting here nodding our heads like we agree. Yes, yes, yes. So you're going to buy a robot? That's good. <laughs> oh, please. Please. I, I would love one. I <laughs> Didn't really you would. check the price? Yeah, I did actually. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I say I checked the price in the in the the sense that I saw something about it. Obviously, me being from the UK, I, I saw something about um I think it was British Nuclear Fuels or someone had brought some had bought some of these uh, Boston Dynamics robots and they were justifying how much they'd spent on them and what they were planning to use them for. But I think you've come up with quite a, a few interesting points there because I've been to mining sites and the thing about um, about mines is I think from the outside it's easy to look at this ancient industry and expect it to be really, really just 
not embrace, not, not, not an industry that would embrace change. And my view and, and my perspective is that whenever I've engaged, the, it's been, the, they're really, really keen on anything that can, de- first of all, first and foremost, if it's about safety, if you can make it a safer environment, minds are all over it. They, they want it. They want to know what, how much it's going to cost. They want to start budgeting for it. They want to get involved. And I think what you were saying earlier about that technology and those advancements, if it can survive on a, in a mining environment, it can survive anywhere. It's almost like what, what happens with the, with the fallback from Formula One and all of these other high-technology enterprises. And the, fins, and the fins spin, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think, I just think it's interesting because I think people listening may well th- be surprised to hear that, that that's the way mining operates, that's the way m- mining is. Is it ever a hard sell for you, though? <laughs> Do you ever just go, okay, I've got to turn this around? Well, I can tell you that we haven't sold thousands of robots. So that probably <laughs> probably is a good indicator. But but Boston Dynamics and the business has, right? Mm. So there are thousands, over a thousand active robots globally. Um, our job is to is to do that in Africa. And the thing around African and maybe developing markets is that so much has to happen on an educative level for that discussion to even happen at a supply chain level. We so we have been, and this is the kind of terminology we've been socializing the robot. For Africa for the last year now and now we are only getting to the supply chain real business side of it so when you say like how difficult is it yes we communicate the safety we communicate the production opportunities there's use cases that will immediately add value but people need to understand people need to people need to see the robot they need to see it at the kids schools they need to feel like it's part of the workforce and this digital workforce that we we fostering and trying to get uh, mining companies and industrial companies in the non-mining world to embrace is an educated front. So we are, we've been prepping the market for a year. We're confident that there are use cases that now are, are uh, demonstrating ROI that is, is certainly worth taking that punt. And yeah, I expect that, yeah, positively in the next six to 12 months that there will be a lot more robots. I hope a thousand. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. Let's hope. So the the other thing is, what sort of reaction do I mean? I don't want to just talk about the Boston Dynamic dog looking robot, but you know, what sort spot of spot spot? What sort of well, I don't want to go on and on and on about it. <laughs> what sort of reactions do you get on the ground from people who? I mean, you know, some people are using sort of. I suppose we call them dumb phones, you know, the Nokia 3310 kind of thing. They wouldn't see technology like this. What Have you seen faces? I mean, there must be, you know, there must be some sort of wild reaction to some of the things that you bring on, bring into the minds. Yeah, there was come, some of the reason around the carnival theme or the tech carnival event that we just had mm. was valid because, you know, it's that theme that you come into the circus top mm. and you've got the person that swallows swords and <laughs> blows fire. Yes. And, so that was like part of the, the thinking around exciting our clients and having these stools. And instead of having stools, we had our expo visitors and exhibiting their technologies. And there was always like a bit of a circus flair. So, for example, uh, putting the, like the, um, the regulators and the ventilation inside. So underground, we talked about a place that's difficult to access and difficult to have people. You know, redirecting airflow in an underground mine is probably the most critical thing that you could imagine to make sure that you can have people there. Yeah. And we were... Uh, we brought to market the first of its type in these kind of air regulators, whether that was a louver or a, or a damper. That kind of automation is only happening now because we've also solved connectivity. And those three partners next to each other kind of all held hands and said, well, you know, because we work together and interoperably, we can actually deliver something that is amazing. And they, so I suppose they're the, the sword swallowers. 
Mm. But yeah, there was lots of other things that we, when you see people's faces, they're like, where have you been? Yeah. And we've been here for over 10 years now. It'll be our 10th birthday in October. Wow. But you know, you never, you can never really be everywhere all the time. Africa is a massive place and people churn. And that opportunity to have a platform got people to see how we see the land, and how the, we see the landscape. Yeah, yeah and I, I think suppose, the exciting part of it got their head thinking. Yeah, I suppose the market has to be open to it as well. That's the other thing. Everyone, you know, for a while, everyone's kind of been shut down to it and we do things this way and no other way, especially South Africa. They love to do things. We do it this way and there's no way to, to you know, to check. We don't change things, that kind yeah. of stuff, you know. So, yeah. So a lot of our clients were saying that and they were said, Jamie, I knew you were a bit crazy, but when we walked into that tech carnival, we couldn't actually believe what you guys had created. Yeah. Like, like people were saying, like it was the experience, it's like the best experience they've had in, since they started mining. These are like 20, 30 year veterans, and yeah. so like that, that, that kind of a, that experience is going to stick with people, and it's a thing that they're going to think about, and hopefully come back to. And, and coming back to the event, because I think that was why we, how we met. This tech for good thing, the whole idea was to create this platform that was net zero. And that we would be able to give ticket sales, you know, in future years to, um, to, to three charities. So it was a yes initiative, it was employment for youth, it was the child welfare, Jobic child welfare, and Funda CTC, which is like a, a Greenfields uh, ITC company. And I think ICT company at least. And the idea there is that, you know, tech can also deliver such good things. It can deliver good stories. And we have to be thinking about the youth for tomorrow because what the technology we deliver today impacts how we grow the youth tomorrow. So there was a there was a big thing around saying, can we can we do good with tech? Yeah. And I think for like the law of the feedback, we did great and I think there's great things to come from it. Yeah, what what interested me as well is that as you're walking around, I'm thinking this and surely this must have occurred to you. Maybe this is how you operate as well, but this is not just for mining. A lot of a lot of the technologies you were showing there, I see a lot of crossovers in, into other industries. I mean there was the real wear headsets. Um, which were amazing. I mean, the, the augmented uh, capabilities of those augmented headsets were just unbelievable. Um, and, and one of the big things with those, which I haven't seen from others, is the fact that they do last a full shift on batteries. And, and I, 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 would, I would encourage people actually to go and look at those because I think I saw so many possibilities of those. So you yourself, though, are you looking now uh, at some of these technologies that you're pushing are you looking to go outside of mining or do you, or you just want to solely concentrate on the mining industry no so what you would have seen one of the booths there uh, headed up by our goose um, is uh, deep tech solutions so deep tech solutions is the story of dwyker in a non-mining world so non-mining we we focusing at a lot of the moment from pit to port so from a mining pit to the ports that distribute all the ore that we mine Everything that's mined gets in a ship somewhere or goes to a factory and gets reprocessed into something. So following that value chain has been like the deep tech solutions business. So we're doing interesting work in the ports, but also in forestry, we're doing work in these extractive resources where again, there's challenging environments, they're remote, they uh, have extractive resources that they're trying to grow that are value driven and cyclical by the market. So like a lot of similar themes in the mining space oil and gas, for example. So touching on the real way, I would say absolutely the tech that we have is transferable. And I'll give you some, so real way is one of them. The GTAC tablets is the other. You know, having yeah. tablets as a connected worker philosophy is a big part of it. Yeah. The ECAR scanning, understanding Wi-Fi connectivity and making sure that you actually have connectivity where you need it so that your workers can actually connect to you, yeah. whether they're in the office, the plant, the mine, in a forest, yeah. or working remotely in Santon. 
um, you know, from a coffee shop, that Wi-Fi is the building block for connectivity. So like that, that, those are the kind of solutions that we see. I mean, the antenna guys as well, like propagating Wi-Fi. So there's a whole bunch of those solutions that you would have come across during your time with the candy floss and slush puppy <laughs> that were definitely part of the deep tech solutions brand. And that's what I'm focusing increasingly on is as our team scaled and embedding and the management team is getting really good at doing what they do in Dwyker. That's, that's the new, that's the new pursuit. So we've, We've hit a fork in the group road and looking certainly at the, the, the deep tech solution side with drones and robots. And again, that technology is transferable. The applications change slightly, but mostly the themes are consistent. And that's where there's a step change as well that we're hoping to do in Africa, right? Because that's where there's value. That's where we haven't spoken to the people on the oil and gas platform. That's where we want to change those people's worlds and their families to make sure that they can go back to their family safely. So the hard lessons learned three kilometers on the ground, at 80% humidity, uh, dark, dirty, dangerous, we can give to the same person on an oil platform in Ghana uh, or Nigeria. That's what that's what Deep Tech Solutions is trying to achieve. Yeah, fascinating. So um, you mentioned your team at Dwyker, and I noticed that they were all quite young, <laughs> which was very interesting to me because they were all, you know, geologists, engineers. I'm ass- I'm assuming I've got that right. All the people that were sort of demoing things at your carnival. And um, yeah, I just wanted to know, like, who are you bringing in? Because they, you know, they all knew exactly what they were talking about. You know, I, I really, very young, very, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry if that's ageist of me. <laughs> I think <laughs> but it just makes you old. You're discriminating against <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, it makes me old. <laughs> makes me old and them young. I was just, I'm impressed at how enthusiastic everybody was. So. I've, number one, thank you, because that's a, I think it's a huge compliment to my team and it's, it's a compliment to our management team that's getting things right because a big part of the way we, what we do is how we do it. So that's awesome feedback. Uh, we're very proud of what we're doing with our people and our team and it's, it comes with a lot of hard work. One, number one, there's so much amazing talent in Africa and the youth that when people talk about how tough it is to be in South Africa and like, you know, what are we going to do? I immediately think, that they just don't know what they're talking about because there's so much talent, residual talent, latent talent. All they need is an opportunity and they need to be empowered. Mm. So that's the one thing. The second thing is we created a platform and a technology roadmap and a framework which takes people, the right people, resilient people, because mining's tough, takes the right people to a place where they are able to uh, give them superpowers. Mm. So those superpowers are four badges and a use case and then they're in the business. And if they last that long, then they start thriving and it's about exposure and tra- training and, but mostly I think the reason that it's, uh, it comes across as trained and motivated is that it's authentic. Mm. They really enjoy what they do. And, and, um, we give them guidelines and we, we give them the tools and the skills and we do our best to train them, but the rest is them yeah. and getting to shine. And I think it was a lot of the feedback we got is that you can't believe this family culture and this team work, the team spirit you have. And you know, like, this is a tough space to do business. Yeah. And uh, this whole thing about being serious when we need to be and understanding the technology, like you said, that they, my team did and they were able to explain things. But then also to have the circus, the circus meeting serious, is a big part of, of the culture. So they can also have fun. They were also the first at the, the basketball court trying to get a three-pointer. <laughs> and, you know, like that, that's the, the tension that we, we try and get right in the business. Yeah. And on the youth side, coming back to also the tech for good nature, is that we this is where we need to as africans need to put lots of effort in yeah because we you know, we have the youngest population i think globally 
uh, by virtue of age, if you're talking ages. And we need to find ways at which we're going to capitalize on that opportunity. Yeah. And that opportunity is to provide great skills to the global community at a very discounted rate. And that's what we're also leveraging in our space. We've got some of the best mining technologists and engineers in the world. Why aren't we providing managed services to people in Australia and Canada? Um, so there's a huge, there's a huge movement coming. Uh, and I'm very happy to be the sweatshop of the engineering world in Africa. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we look forward to getting those inquiries after this after this uh after this podcast so i think i don't know if we've got much more to ask but i've I, just got one or two more things okay. that's okay yeah i Sorry. just wanted to ask about the industry you know what you say you've been in business for 10 years and then obviously you were part of a family um industry before that like what are the big changes you've seen and what do you expect to sort of come in the future so biggest things i think are going to be the advance of connectivity platforms um, you would have seen Philip Van Essen from Starlink speak. He flew out specifically to speak for 30 minutes at our show. Amazing. All the way from Europe. So yeah. it was just like, I was like blown away by that kind of effort. And, you know, it's those kind of solutions where making sure we can have a pervasive connectivity to make sure that we can use our solutions, but also drive safety and telemetry, no matter where we are in the world, it's going to be, or we are in the universe. Um, is going to be amazing. So I think that's going to be a big part. Um, a big part is making sure people understand total cost of ownership. So we represent things that last. They're yeah. not always the cheapest, but yeah. they, they last underground. And that rugged nature and the design and the engineering around the solutions we represent, because we kick everything down the road before we touch it, the things that last are the things we represent. Yeah. So we're not in for short-term value and long-term value technologies are like where we say. So I think that's going to, those are going to be the partners that last. And then um, the other part is this is this uh, amalgamation of human and machine. And I think we are going to have to work it out together, but this collaborative process where humans plus machines work is going to be um, a part of our, our future. And I think what's going to be interesting is that people are going to start having to focus on that as literally as a skill set or as a a vocation to seeing how we do that uh, as humans and i think that's that's going to be exciting to see how that plays out yeah yeah i just want to kind of finish on something that you mentioned briefly well it's been part of what you've been saying throughout actually but what's what's nice to hear is you seem very positive i mean there's a lot of negativity surrounding south africa right now um i can be guilty of that from time to time but it but from my point of view and i think for lots of people's points of view it's not necessarily that we're down on south africa it's just we're a bit worried about the future you seem to be the opposite you seem to be very optimistic as you know how, how do you see things like load shedding and uh, you know I'm, I'm sure that that in itself provides opportunities but do you see that as a, as a major threat um or are you not too concerned with the future i'm concerned with the future i'm also a father of two young daughters and the third on its way. So I'm concerned about some parts of the world and some parts of the thing. I have to also acknowledge that I've been hugely blessed. So I think that's the other part. Um, but I, I think you, in that same breath is like using the privilege to make a change. I think we have to, or I, the way I approach it anyway, from my side, is that we, there's only one way forward and it's to be positive. Because if you, you harp on the negatives in, in parts of the developing world, you could be busy all day worrying about that. Um, I think the second part is that, like you said, there's so much opportunity in chaos. And with opportunity and creating opportunities like load shedding, I think we are pioneering the way of 
of um, redundant power solutions in the world. Yeah. Um, and we're seeing a huge opportunity to solve that for clients and for other solutions we represent. So I, I think it's the way I'm wired. Maybe it's maybe it's the, the upbringing that, you know, you, you, you solution-centric, like if someone's got a problem, solve it and then, mm. and then worry about it. Also, but, you're uh, running a, a business. A you can't thing. be down on, yeah. you know, this is rubbish and this is crap and nothing's going to work and no, no, no. You're there to, like you said, to solve problems. Yeah, and I think if we focus on... Uh, the people who are important in our world are, are our clients and um, and our families. If we can mesh those two things together, um, then there's a, there's a bright future for everyone. And I think the big thing, again, coming back to Tech for Good, is that we need to think very concertedly around how do we create jobs? Because if people can earn a living, they can be positive because they're adding value to the economy. They can be positive because they can demonstrate value to the people that they care about. And I think we we're getting sidetracked in this economy with, sometimes the wrong things um, and uh, people are making calls that don't take that into account. So we're doing our little bit to see what we can, how we can bring uh, a smile. And I think in one of the talks I just recalling now, he said, person from Tanzania said, you know, every day I wake up and the list that I, the tasks I have are punishments with, with the drone technology that you provided, Jamie, it became, it takes it off and it makes it a pleasure. Yeah. Wow. And I was just like, whoa, can you stop the clock so I can record that? <laughs> but, that's, but that's but that's really it like hit me hard and you know that it's a tough job. Mining's complex, and if you could just take five of those tasks away, that he still managed, but it, it now was effortless, and he got five more minutes to phone his child after school yeah. to just check in with them. Like, isn't that a huge change and a, a positive step for mankind? But I think also, it is. But also, nobody really hates flying a drone either, do they? No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can tell you there's some stressful fun. moments when you're <laughs> no, flying no. in an underground mine, and uh, you can speak to my team about that. Oh, there's that. stressful moments when you're flying just a little itty bitty DJI thingy toy thing. That's also quite stressful when you start <laughs> hit, hitting the trees and things like that. No, you've spent well, money on that. Well, if you want to come underground <laughs> and, you, and uh, do an underground GPS denied flight, you can join my team one day. Oh, I'd there. love that. I think we both in the shirts like red with envy. Yeah, yeah. yeah just, I, just, green with envy I just stood up out of my seat. Um, <laughs> Yeah, underground, I mean, we're, I think we're ready to wrap up, yeah. but, but you actually just touched on something there. Who would have thought of flying a drone underground? I mean, and, and the use cases were fascinating for the things like blast, blast measurements, you know, to see how effective a blast was. All, all of these other uses for it never would have even thought about them. And it's also saves my, my precious little spot from going in there and hurting himself. Yeah, poor spot, so yeah. <laughs> Bless. Spot's going to be working hard the next couple of months, so don't don't feel too sorry for him. It's going to be only his keep. Oh, dear. Or her keep. Her keep. Or her their keep. keep. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I think that was, you know, quite insightful. Um, and, yeah. I had fun. Good. Yeah. And I, we'll see you at the next Tech Carnival. Yeah. I mean, I think to give you some some sneak peek backgrounds, maybe to be looking to build partnerships around how we get the right people to these events. So, be useful to use this kind of uh, discussion and dialogue as a platform. Oh, yeah. But I think you'll have it every two two years, probably in this space. But watch out in every other year, we might be doing some strategic um, surprises. So we'll just leave it at that. Oh, okay. okay All right. We're Interesting. Excited or excited. Perfect. Well, thank you so cool. much for joining us. Thanks. And um, hopefully we get to chat again Pleasure. soon. Okay. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for your time. Anytime you want to chat around gadgets, uh, I would be very keen to hear what you have to say and looking forward to sharing more about what we do. Perfect. Great. Thank okay. you. Thanks a lot, Jamie. Okay. Cheers. Have well. a great day. You Bye. Too. You Bye. too. Bye. Bye.